Hello and welcome to Consumerosity, brought to you by Layby, the show where we explore the challenges for the 20s crowd that you'll find oh so familiar. When it comes to finance, shopping, credit, and the psychology driving our experiences as consumers. I'm Alex. And I'm Jen. And let's talk about how this podcast is going to work. So each week, we'll be choosing a different topic to dive into, bringing in interesting guests to shed even more light on the weird and wonderful goings-on of the world of money. Yet actual, useful financial hacks, all served up with a side of curious psychology and not a meerkat or voucher in sight. But before we introduce this week's topic, we've got a little segment we like to call Something of Note. Uh, So basically, this is where we try and out-weird each other every episode with strange money-related trivia. So this week's Something of Note is, did you know, finger in the air, that more (laughs) Monopoly money is printed per year than real money in the US? That's not true. That is a fact, Alex. No way. Yes. Yes. That's, that is a bit nuts. That's More crazy. Monopoly money than real money. So, well, did you play Monopoly? Yes, of course. Everyone's played Monopoly. And ha- did you feel like a kind of baller when you were playing it? Like yeah, all the time. City all banker? the time. You do. You do. You feel. You feel on top of the world. Yeah. Well, I didn't. Things. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just sort of. I <laughs> just like. I was just like picking out the fa- the sort of bits that I wanted to be. You know, it can be like a dog and the and the house and, and the hat and those kind of things. Yeah. So I didn't really know what I was doing, which. It's actually pretty much played out into real life. <laughs> but when you think about it, I've definitely held more Monopoly money than real money. Yeah. Everything's just on cards these days. Do you think it gives you like an, a kind of sort of unrealistic sense of what it's like to actually oh, have absolutely. money in real life? Absolutely. So we're blaming our money problems on Monopoly. It's got to be that. <laughs> All right. So, you know, what we're going to talk about this week is buyer's remorse. Or that chilly feeling of regret you get almost instantly after making a purchase. We've all been there, haven't we, Jen? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> you shouldn't. You wouldn't believe like the sort of things that have popped up in my mind. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like this happens like every second purchase. Yeah, it but, does. Well, we're going to delve into the psychology, and we're going to hopefully learn a few things along the way. How does that sound? It sounds brilliant, and I also hope I can sort of sort my own uh, buyer's remorse sort of problems out. We're going to go this. through it together. Yeah, we're going to go through it together. Bit of bit of therapy. <laughs> um, so. Just want to throw something out there, okay, on the note of, of buyer's remorse. Um, some 82% of people report feeling regret or guilt over a purchase. So what's your, what are your initial thoughts Does on that? that? Su- that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. No. Because even sitting right here right now, it's like I said, every second purchase, I'll probably regret it. So, for example, can you think over the weekend of, like, a purchase that maybe you've regretted. Oh, what did I buy over the weekend? Apart from all those beers and <laughs> It was definitely it was definitely the 9 pound gins. 9 pound gins. It's, yeah. It's not a ridiculous amount, but when, you know, it's hot and you're walking around and yeah. you buy five of them, it's yes. starting to add up. Because do you do that thing where you transfer this a lot of people do this with drinks. They go, "Oh, I've spent this much on alcohol," which would have been one pair of this Oh, Dr. All Martins the time, or... all the time. Yeah, yeah. with yeah. everything. It's with everything. But if I buy the Doc Martens, then I could be like, well, that was a night out. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> this, but isn't that weird that you do that flip flipping yeah. thing? So yeah. you're just never satisfied. Yeah. Either way, you're losing. You're so right. Over the weekend, I had buyer's remorse, also over food. It was over a dessert sharing platter um, because I um, shared, well, I went through a flip-flop. So I, I realised that if I shared a dessert with this with this friend who was at dinner, mm-hmm. that um, we would get better value and more dessert. But then when it came, it was far too much. So then I thought, oh, I should have just got it's one It's not the thing. worst problem to have. No, that's... Far <laughs> too much dessert's okay. My life sounds like really simple, It's really it? hard, isn't <laughs> it? It's really such tough. a hard problem, Jen. <laughs> really tough problem with cake. my dessert platter. Um, <laughs> I promise we have more complex problems in our life. We are relatable. Um, but let's talk about 
uh, one of the big ones that's popped up is is that it's clothing, the, the buyer's remorse uh, sort of top top things that are coming up on the on the subject list are clothing, footwear and takeaway food, which I found very interesting. More food. <laughs> that's incredible. I didn't think takeaway food would be so high. Mm. But, I mean, personally, I find with takeaway food that I regret it more from the health choices, not really the cost. So how, t- talk us through how you choose your food for takeaway. Do you Are you a traditional kind of guy who goes up to the, to the restaurant and gets it, or are you an app person? Oh, I'm so app-based. Yeah. Yeah, I'll sit there, I'll get Uber Eats up on the iPad. Uh-huh. Delivery on the phone, and I'll flick through both at the same time. What, you have both going, yeah, like yeah, Minority Report? Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> whatever one you find first wins, but it's hard. There's too much choice. And, you know, yeah. that's actually really interesting because it's weird. there's a name for that, and it's called the paradox of choice. Oh. And that's when there's an abundance of similar options which causes psychological stress. In, that sounds like life. Uh-huh. That doesn't sound like, just sound like buying. That's just life. No, it doesn't. That could be like Netflix, right? Yes. When you're trying to find something to watch. Oh, my goodness. Yes, subscription service kind of problem. It's overwhelming, just stuff always being pushed against you. So interesting. So because of this this sort of problem, do we find that you always end up going back to the safe option because of that? Or do you find that it makes you make a regrettable purchase? Like, Or do you think it's a bit of both? I think it's probably a bit of both. I mean, I know from the takeaway one, I'll always end up going to the same place, even if I do spend 30 minutes looking for something. Yeah. And if I want to buy a pair of jeans, I'll look around for sure, but I know at the end of the day that I've bought a pair which fit and they look good, so I'll probably always fall back to that. But it doesn't make the process any easier. I find that I similarly used to have the same problem with, with like choosing food. I'd get sort of... I'd find it difficult to choose something. Now I live a bit further outside of, of London mm. where I've got less choice in a way. I'm also I'm sort of having a different experience where I'm sort of like, oh my, I'm getting fear of missing out of yeah. all my old options that I used to have. But I do find we do have a Thai place where we live and actually I always end up vetoing everything else because we know that's really good. So actually I'm my I'm finding I'm sticking with safe options a lot more. I don't know if that's to do with me getting older in life. So that's interesting because that removes buyer's remorse, right? Yeah, it does. Because you had a good experience with this place, so you're more likely to go back there. And isn't that what everyone's trying to do in retail these days is create cool experiences so people keep coming back and shopping? I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's it's definitely something that's happened, I would say, over the last couple of years where I've started to try and be less influenced by, um, by, by choice in a way where people are, you know, we talk about social media influence mm. and how that I, I used to look at that a lot more growing up in my 20s and be like oh I want to be more like that person or have a life like this so I would double more in in trying different products whereas now I think maybe having a certain better sense of self makes me go okay this is my comfort zone yeah, for certain things so I'll, I'll stick within that whereas but there are times you have to step out of it and you have to take risks and I think that mindset is what makes you sometimes go away and purchase things. Just just on that note, um, Alex, we were talking briefly about the top things that people have buyer's remorse for, weren't we? Yeah, we were. This is super interesting. I don't think it's overly surprising that the first, the, the most re- regrettable purchases are clothing, shoes, and apparel. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's obvious, right? We're always buying new things. We're always being pushed to sale with e-commerce and, and the day we live in now. Everything's so easy to actually buy. Yeah. I mean, my mum bought something in her sleep. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she brought something to sleep. We're up at the beach house in, in New Zealand and she woke up in the morning and had the notification that the order's on its way. What? Yeah, that easy. 
that's nuts. They're easy. <laughs> oh my goodness. People, you're really never safe from purchasing no, if you do not. it in your sleep. It's, it's, it's commerce is set up to enable you to do it whenever, wherever, even when drunk, which we, yeah. we heard about a friend story of someone who um, purchased a holiday, a package holiday for one, when they for were one. drunk. For one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just for themselves. So, I mean... Yeah, I would love to see if companies have got like a stock list of things they're like, that was definitely a drunk purchase. They must That was do. a drunk purchase. What else they must we... see a spike at 2am yeah. when people get <laughs> yeah. home and everyone's just online shopping for their, their single holiday packages. <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Exactly. So that's probably, that's, that's the first one. And the second, this is interesting, mm. is a house. Oh. A house. Yeah. Spending all that money, getting your mortgage, getting your loan done. Yeah. Regretting it as soon as you buy it. I can it. relate to this though. Having done it in an ex- with an ex-partner, I did this same thing. And thinking about the regret, the reasons why I regretted it, it was because of the, I wanted a flat sort of more centrally. Mm. We got something further out and I instantly was just like, oh, I didn't, I went to the whole space over location and I wasn't happy with that. And it, it wasn't right for that time. But also, you know, the relationship yeah, yeah. W- wasn't great and... Uh, yeah, so all of those things. Because I think it does get more serious and sometimes it's crunch time for people when they get a house, isn't it? I think so, and that's probably why that people... I think there's a lot of bigger external factors at play when it comes to buying a house Mm. which affect that decision or whether you're regretful or not. Because, I mean, buying a T-shirt and regretting it's not the end of the world, but buying a house, I mean, that's going to take a lot to convince you that this wasn't the right decision. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's interesting. 100%. And then... This one's great. I love this. The next <laughs> most regrettable purchase is exercise equipment. Oh, my goodness. What, have you actually bought anything exercise equipment-wise that you can think of? Oh, yes. I used <laughs> to have these weird push-up things that you'd, you'd go down and then they'd rotate and then, and then you'd push yourself back up oh, and rotate them again. Yeah. But I don't see how that's any better. <laughs> and, and you can imagine where they are now in the garage collecting dust. Everything's in the garage. Everything else, yeah. And we used to have a boxing bag. That broke, so oh my that, that one didn't last too you have long. The, you have the fancy, don't you? I bought an exercise bike, and I was like, I'll just, I'll just go on this when I'm watching EastEnders or watching the yeah, telly, yeah. and it just literally stayed in the spare room in the corner, and I was like, it just became this eyesore in my house. See, I think that when you come to buy exercise equipment, you're just, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna be fit. Yeah, <laughs> this is good. I'm healthy. Look at me go. Yeah, but then it gets put away, and you just wasted a thousand pounds on. It's yeah. the bike that uh, never does anything. It's merely an yeah. idea, isn't it, that doesn't seem to manifest. But how do we actually stop feeling those feelings in the first place without sacrificing the perfect pair of trainers or a well-earned payday splurge? Um, well, now's the right time to talk about that because we're very excited to be joined by our guest experts. We are very excited. And to find out more about buyer's remorse, we're going to have a chat with Professor Jeffrey Beatty, an internationally acclaimed psychologist, author and broadcaster. Jeff is the author of 24 books. Yes, 24. He was the resident psychologist on 11 series of Big Brother. Oh, I know I recognised you from somewhere. That's where that trusty face comes That's from. That's where it comes from. <laughs> Jeff's also presented a number of TV series, including Life's Too Short on BBC One and been interviewed on Sky, Channel 4, ITV and numerous documentaries. Jeff, lovely to have you on the show. How are you doing? Really good, thank you, and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's lovely to have you here. Well, we 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 want to get some sort of free free learning. I'm here. so excited. I know that sounds so geeky, doesn't it? Free learning. <laughs> um, but we're going to dive straight in and just ask you to define for us buyer's remorse. What would be your definition? Well, buyer's remorse is this weird state, which is a state of psychological discomfort. You spend money and you think you're going to feel really good, and very often you don't, <laughs> and and you feel it's so really, relatable. You feel really bad. <laughs> And buyer's remorse is interesting because it's more than just disappointment. It's got a kind of 
emotional component. People feel angry, depressed. They feel in despair sometimes. And it's got a cognitive component. You think, why did that happen to me in the first place? Where did I go wrong? <laughs> how, you know, yeah. how did I fall for it? What have I done? Yeah. So it's got those components. Now, psychologists call that state a, a state of cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is a kind of discrepancy between an action and what you think is going to bring you and the kind of feelings that you're, you're experiencing instead. And the point about right. cognitive dissonance is none of us like it. Everybody <laughs> suffers from it, including psychologists. <laughs> and then you have to find a way of resolving it. And the ways of resolving it are, are quite interesting because sometimes, even though you've got those, bought those trainers you were talking about, yeah. and you know that everyone's going to hit them, you look at them <laughs> and you don't like them. And you yeah. know your family and friends are going to they're going to ridicule you for them. <laughs> but So what do you do with cognitive dissonance? You say these are the best trainers I've ever seen. You change your view off the object. Oh. And that's wow. one way of dealing with it. And, and you will defend those trainers to the day you die. But it's not because they're nice trainers. It's because you're dealing with this uncomfortable state that none of us like. Very that, interesting. Isn't that incredible? And familiar now that you've it's explained so it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and I was saying, you know, not just not just biogenals, but it can relate it to the past relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's felt it. Yeah. I don't think there's a single person who's bought anything online or whether that may be in store that hasn't at some point regretted the purchase. It's very interesting. So, Jeff, what do you think the, mo- the, the most common causes of buyer's remorse are? Well, it's a really interesting thing because it's, it's almost as if the, the kind of core element is this notion of the discrepancy between the anticipation of pleasure and the realization that you're not kind of getting what you're hoping for. Disappointment. Yeah, but it's psychologically more than disappointment. And I think the, the, the problem is that when we think about buying something, uh, there's all kinds of systems of the human mind which are affected. We're affected by advertising, and it's very good at giving us these associations with the product. And, yes. and, and I think you know, we fantasize we, we are going to be like the people who are displaying them to us. And I think that we think about uh, our life's going to be changed or transformed in some way. Those trainers are going to make you just so much more interesting and yeah. char- charismatic and so on. So I think there's a whole fantasy aspect of, of of buying. And I think there's a power aspect of buying. I think we like to be in a position to change our life through a, a transaction. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, a really important aspect of it. And then, of course, that once you've got it, if those psychological needs aren't met, then I think there's always going to be a degree of discrepancy there. Yeah. And of course, if you've just bought something, that limits your ability to buy something again. So in terms of the psychological factors, I think there's, and of course, if the more you spend, the worse it can be. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an economic aspect to the whole thing. There's a mismatch between the anticipated pleasure and your feeling. I think there's your response to the object and I think there's other people's response. So there's a social dimension, yeah. a personal dimension, an economic dimension. I think wow. I think the, the point is it's quite a complex thing. And of course, as well as all that, you've internalized the views of your family and friends. So as soon as you look at it, you're already imagining how they're going to react to oh, the whole yes. thing. And, and it's all of those factors in opposition which give rise to this feeling. And as I say, it's a complex feeling because it's got both emotional aspects and cognitive aspects. You're thinking and your emotions. I mean, those two things are both connected. Yeah. You know you've got a problem. This but, is, yeah. Go ahead, you. No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm in disbelief. I can't <laughs> Alex, believe it. Alex is looking over just like, he can't believe how, what he's hearing, mouth wide open. But it's, it, there's, there is so much more involved. And But in, in a nutshell, it kind of sounds like it's anticipation versus reality, right? I, it, well, it's certainly anticipation versus reality. But, but what's really interesting is what that anticipation is based on. Now, 
Psychologists say that it's hard to read people's minds because they don't have a mind. They have two minds. One mm -hmm. of the minds is called System 1, which is the kind of very quick, instantaneous, and unconscious system affected by associations. And the other is the more rational and slower one. Oh. And I think when it comes to buying, both of those systems can be at work. Sometimes we spend ages thinking about a purchase and then we go ahead and make it. Yeah. Sometimes we think we spend ages thinking about a purchase and then we have a we have a long day or we need to do something about our psychological mood or we have a beer or two <laughs> and then we make an instantaneous decision. So, I mean, I think there are all kinds of complex things going on and I think if we were all rational about things, then buyer's remorse would happen much less commonly. But because we've got these two systems of decision-making, yeah. that adds a further yeah, com yeah. complexity. And the, uh, one interesting thing about cognitive dissonance, the more effort you put into something, by the way, so if you spend ages before you make a decision and spend a lot of money in, in the purchase and so on, invest a lot of resources, it doesn't necessarily make you it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make the right decision. And of course, if you make the wrong decision and you've spent all that time, yeah. the problem is buyer's remorse will be even more severe because <laughs> yeah. you invested even more. So you so either you'll have to do something radical then. Yeah. You'll, you'll either have to blame the advertisers, blame the shop, blame your friends. Yeah. <laughs> one's fault but yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> blame your social group or love the trainers. Or, yeah. You have to do A or B. But it might, would it matter, could buyer's remorse, if, if that's the case, say you made a big, big mistake, say it's a property or a car or something, would could that that could manifest into coming out in something else, right? If it's not blame. Oh, absolutely. I, I once made the worst car making decision in my life, car buying decision in my life. Oh, really? For some reason, I went out one day. I was obviously feeling a bit low as a psychologist, and I bought one of those <laughs> <laughs> white sports BMWs oh, with a full shit. body kit. And I, <laughs> and I started driving it home to my young family. <laughs> was it that soon? That soon after? <laughs> Fresh off the road. And Lord. honestly, it was just that journey home. I'd put, put a deposit, you know, I'd, oh I'd, I'd, I'd done the whole transaction. And every mile I got closer to my family home, the remorse just grew and grew and grew until I could hardly focus on the road anymore. <laughs> and I just thought, this is the biggest, because it wasn't cheap. And I just thought, what am I going to look like? <laughs> a professor driving around in a white BMW with a full body kit, sports mode. You know, oh it gosh. just wasn't right. Yeah. Um, so, and of course, the problem with cars and so on is that, you know, you have them for a while. You have to you have to learn to love it. But, yeah. but so in other words, the remorse, the more expensive it is, the more your obvious commitment. Because yeah. another way of dealing with bias remorse, of course, is just bring it back immediately. I was going to ask Which it. is becoming more and more common. Mm. Does that help? It's one way of dealing with it. Uh, and, of course, it works even better if you've got a rationalisation to go with it, which yeah. was there's a certain cl clothes shop that I occasionally go into, usually not in the US. You know, it, I'll obviously not name it, but it's very dark. <laughs> it always smells lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's the smell that does it for it me. It sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I think you know which one I mean. I always buy inappropriate T-shirts. <laughs> Uh, and of course, every time I, every time I buy these inappropriate T-shirts, I keep thinking, it's, it's, I blame the shop. You yeah, know, they, they, they have worked out their marketing yeah. strategy really, really well. <laughs> uh, so you know, 
you're absolutely right. As a human being, you have to you have to rationalize it somehow. So blaming is good. Yeah. Loving stuff or changing your views and stuff is good or changing your behavior. I've never tried bringing something back to that shop, which is interesting because... Oh, that's got you good. <laughs> yeah, they've got, they really have stung me because because it would be too embarrassing. You know, it, in my view, it's it's kind of got, wow, yeah, it's, it's got the ambience right. But on the other hand, I mean, there are, there are many things that you can bring back. And I think it's becoming very, very common. And, and for, in some sense, from a psychology point of view, it kind of makes perfect sense because I always think in, you know, with social media and so on, your purchases help you present yourself in different ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Pe- pe- people need affirmation and feedback, of course, about, about stuff. And now, so either you buy yourself a new costume all the time, in which case you know, you're a millionaire, or you become a serial returner. Yeah. <laughs> and, and because the shame and embarrassment is going on a serial returning, I think you know, the, the transaction's not as shameful as it once was. I think a generation ago it was quite shameful. Yeah, yeah. There's no shame anymore. It's almost morally acceptable because you're recycling in a way. Yeah. <laughs> you can justify that to yourself. Um, and, and it seems like good, or it almost seems like good economic sense. Uh, so, so I think returning is another way of dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it, you could augment that by saying, well, they, they, they shouldn't have used that kind of strategy on me in the first place because they're trying to affect my system one decision making, yes. you know, the, the fast, intuitive, unconscious one, rather than approach me rationally. So I think people have got have got wise to to ret- the psychology of returning goods. Yeah. That's really interesting because you see all these fast fashion brands and, and with Instagram and, and all the social media platforms, there's a real issue with people buying a whole bunch of clothing, wearing it once or taking a photo on it and then returning everything like that. So I, I don't know if buyer's remorse plays into that so much, but is this feeling more intense amongst the millennial generation? I, I, I would say it was sim- simply because of the uh, social media aspect yeah, to yeah. the whole thing. Uh, because you know, psychologists have been commenting on on the rise of narcissism mm-hmm. and how that connects to social media. I mean, narcissism has been about, well... <laughs> Since, 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 the beginning, right? since the beginning, but but we have now the vehicle vehicles to to allow it to develop into going to supercharge, do supercharge, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think there there is a really interesting issue. Uh, what I sometimes say is that. Narcissism shouldn't really surprise any of us because you know human beings didn't evolve in big anonymous you know cities like, like London. You know we 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 lived in communities of about sixty to seventy to eighty people. Yeah. You were everyone knew who we were, and of course the rise of narcissism and social media and celebrity is allowing people to attempt to recapture that recognition. And yeah. I am someone because people know who I am. It's just yeah. human nature, really. It's, isn't it's it? human nature. No, I agree, I agree with that, and then of course. But but the problem is for social media posts. I obviously haven't got the hang of this because I just post the same picture in the same black T-shirt <laughs> again and again. You have to present yourself differently to get likes. Yeah. Um, and then of course that it's that notion of affirmation then becomes central to this concept of who you are and who, mm. you know you, you, your your concept of ego really you, yeah, you, yeah. The, the the kind of person you are. So you can see that that kind of serial returning kind of fits into that. And of course, narcissism famously is associated with a sense of entitlement. So mm. the idea, it shouldn't just be the rich who, who can who can wear something different all the time. I've definitely had a realisation about this, uh, that narcissism and, um, and, and buyer's remorse, but I had... I've had buyer's remorse over a membership club. So I bought I, I bought into this idea and joined a membership club because I felt so validated that I was offered this membership and um, weirdly had this opposite feeling where I went, when I started going there, I didn't enjoy it. I just didn't enjoy the being there. I didn't feel like I fitted in. And actually a lot of my friends are quite, 
quite down to earth people. So they weren't impressed when I took. I, remember, <laughs> I took a friend. There, I was like, "We'll go. We'll go along." And she was like, "I don't like it. It's not us. Not very us." And I was like, "Do you know what?" I started to really resent it. So, but then I had this feeling of shame because the pe- the few people that I did get validation from, I thought oh, they're going to know I'm not at this club anymore. And then in the end, I had to sort of like stop this membership. And the idea was like that I was buying into this world and being able to post posting at this place. So I kind of had buyer's remorse of this membership club, if that makes sense. But the validation did not pay off in the same way as no, buying a product, no, you know? Well, so this was like a private members club yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've done something similar myself, really, which was, you know, I, I saw this private members club advertised, well, you know, exclusively advertised. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I could apply to see if they would have me, you know. And, and once they had me, you know, once they accepted me, I, I then went along. And then I thought, it wasn't quite how I imagined yes. it was going to be yeah. in terms of, and I hate using the word shallow, but it, <laughs> no, it does. But yeah, it was yeah, a tiny yeah, bit yeah. shallow. It, is, it does feel and like that. I kept that. thinking, you know, that's maybe not, you know, uh, and 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 I suppose it's this notion of, you know, you know when we perceive objects, you know, we, we perceive bits of them, mm. and, and we make inferences about what it is. Yes. We make yes. ge- ge- guesses, heuristics about what life's going to be yeah. like, and sometimes the reality doesn't quite match it. No. But I agree with you. Sometimes you end up with terrible remorse because it's almost like a catch twenty two because you don't know which way to jump. Then, yes, I mean, cog- it's easier to resolve cognitive distance when you have a clear strategy. Yeah. yeah, but if you think, hang on a second, I either renounce my membership and I have to have a public shaming. Yeah, as I tear the card. <laughs> Yeah. And you don't and get anything exclusive. Nothing you pay, you don't get any of that back. At least with an item of clothing, yeah. you have the moment of shame when you walk back <laughs> in the store and be like, that, "That's not for me." Yeah. But you get your money, you get your store credit. On your way, it's all right. Yeah. But that's yeah. But I feel that there's a bit of shame, more shame. <laughs> I had more shame in having to say, "Look, I don't want to be like I don't." I don't want to have this membership and and sort of then people look at you and they're like, oh, what's wrong with her? Why isn't she a member anymore? Was she too good for us? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, exactly. And and, and also the anxiety that one day in the future you may want to be a member again. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, my problem with my equivocation was I suddenly thought, Oh, hang on! But they do have a private cinema. Yeah, would yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't well, be this place sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to go and watch some, some films before they're yeah. released? And I kept so I was all over the place. Same, and, and it was yeah. all it was weighing up whether or not to stay yeah. for this reason or that reason. But the, I I felt that was quite a narcissistic decision. It was kind of a. And social a social mobility thing where I thought I was joining another community and actually I didn't feel like it was what I wanted to be in and none of, no one in my actual community who I cared about yes. really yeah. cared and that made the yeah. decision. But it's me. interesting this concept of who we are really depending upon how we imagine our friends' mm. deep response to what we do is. Because yeah. again, I mean, I mean, they're subject to all of the same social desirability issues that we are, which mm-hmm. is they say certain things and do they mean it or do they mean something deeper and so on. Yeah. And, and, and part of the great what's happening in psychology at the moment is trying to work out that discrepancy between what people say and report and yes. their underlying attitudes and behaviour, which again is a complex issue and perhaps too complex for private members. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it, but I think it's interesting. This idea, of, yeah, no, definitely. But I think it's interesting this idea of buying to belong to a group or or for that sense of validation. Yes, yeah, the validation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well exactly. And and you know, human beings are, you know. Nothing if they're not you know, social creatures. They have to yeah. have have that concept of belonging, and of course we're members of multiple groups simultaneously. But but it's the ones that are most pertinent to us in terms of how we like to project or are absolutely critical. So, you know, yeah. so part of that with the buyer's remorse is is there? A, I know I touch on disappointment and it's deeper than that. But when you're turning this purchase or when you feel these buyers remorse, is it because you feel like you're not actually belonging? 
in that group? It it, it can be d- depending upon the the kind of thing we're, we're talking about. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think returning. It can be you know, construed a number of ways. It can be construed for a lot of people just as a strategy. They do it habitually, and they suffer from less buyer's remorse because they're so they, they do it all the time. I've yeah. got a very close friend, <laughs> and she buys everything and returns it. I mean, she, she like everyone knows every, someone who does it <laughs> every day. She gets return labels delivered. It's like, oh, wow. and, and I've never returned anything. It's like, but but she she just it's a strategy for life. Yeah. Yeah. So she, does she suffer from buyer's remorse? Hardly at all. They, these are not terribly expensive purchases but no. but it's, it, it is strategy so so that that's so that is just a behavioral thing then we've got I suppose that you know the dealing with the discomfort I don't like the way I'm feeling I need a way a way out of it and then I think thirdly there's there is a, your identity aspects which is sh- some people would see it as being the astute shopper to bring things back yeah. you know and, and and in some sense she's taught me that there is no shame or embarrassment in going back it's it's as positive a transaction as buying in the first place it's funny yeah. isn't it because everyone does everyone yeah. does it so why do we why should we feel guilty about returning an item yeah. if we don't like it yeah i feel such shame actually and yeah. i know i my head's telling me don't feel ashamed because like you like you said like you you came here with your friend and they did it confidently so copy them but then in deep inside i'm still having this oh sorry um well, well exactly conversation i over apologize mm. it's like i give them a complex story as to why it's not right <laughs> yes, you know, yes. even when i try things on and i haven't yeah. even bought them like, yeah. to the assistant i give them a complex story yeah. but I think it's like you're letting someone down. We went out for dinner last night and we sat down at this table, looked at the menu and just realised it wasn't for us. I'd already poured us the water. So instead of just being like, oh, no, it's not for us, made up a story that <laughs> my <laughs> mum's husband, my dad, was at a different restaurant and we just had to go because he had a book in there. So we got up, paid for the water for four pounds and he just left. Wow. <laughs> you were in the wrong restaurant yeah. to begin with. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Wow. It was a good sign. That's crazy, but uh, no, it's really interesting because again, those those stories we tell other people, I think, feed into our concept of who we are. Yeah. You were polite, well, well-mannered, you know, we're moral, you know, we, we understand the world. And, and I think those stories that we, we routinely tell without much thought necessary it just yeah. becomes like habitual action yeah. are kind of critical to that and, and perhaps they're a, they're a positive thing for that reason you know rather than having truth and not sort of fan- being fanciful about our excuses and just saying I can't afford it or it looks disgusting or something yeah. like that you know it's, it's maybe we should just be aiming for like more clean language and truth around around transactions and money and things. Well, well it's, a, it's a really interesting thing. You know, could we ever get real, really, really, really real with money? You know, could mm. we psychologically, are we mentally prepared for that? Yeah. I mean, I mean there are certain things I think we have to be, you know, you're prepared to think about, you know, which is, you know, affordability, yeah. you know, debt, you know, all those kind of things, you know, financial planning, saving, and all, all of those kind of things. But sometimes I think that purchases are so linked to aspects of our unconscious processing that it becomes quite difficult. You know, it's it's why did I go for... The, was it really advertising that made me choose X rather than Y when they seem identical? You know, I'm thinking about, yeah. you know, the classic work in the 1950s, you know, change the colour of the, of the um, soap powder. You know, they, you know, they famously... Um, had soap powder and then and, and they asked you know, US housewives in the 1950s to test, you know, the, the yellow label... Right, the, the yellow and blue label, the blue label, and 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 they had to report you know how how well they soap had to wash their clothes, and they came back and they said the yellow was <laughs> was too harsh, you know the blue oh. the blue wasn't strong enough, and the yellow and blue was perfect, and it was yeah. the same soap powder. Wow, you know exactly the same. So it's this notion of you know there's all these influences on our perceptions in life, yeah, um, and our aspirations, and I think that, I think that that's 
I mean, that, that, that's the big issue, you know, which is you, know, you have to be very mindful. You have to be m- very psychologically aware to identify mm. th- those kind of processes yeah. at work. It's amazing. There's it so many inputs yeah. that kind of determine the outcome of even something as simple as a purchase. Yes. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, I think that kind of segues on to, to, the, to the, the final question. And what you want to know is what can people do to avoid buyer's remorse? Well, I, th- I, th- I think there are a number of things people can do. I think the first thing they can do is they can assume that there is always going to be some psychological feeling when they buy something which might not be as positive as anticipated. Sometimes if you anticipate things, because if you let your fa- your imagination run wild, you will expect the best, mm. and it's never going to be the mm. best. So it's almost <laughs> as if it doesn't sound like a very optimistic Keep strategy. Keep your expectations yeah, low. Keep your expectations low. At least you'll Same be disappointed. disappointed. <laughs> so, so, but, 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 but I think that, that that's one aspect of it. And I think the other aspect of it, I, I always think that emotional feelings aren't necessarily damaging in their own right. It's how you make the the attribution about them, where they came from. Mm. Yeah. So if you suffer a bit of remorse, a little bit of disappointment, you know, uh, and you immediately start internalizing it, yes, it becomes so much worse. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, the argument is that what we should be doing is changing those cognitions, those yeah. thoughts. Yes. Because if you do that, you inoculate yourself. You don't get depressed about it. You just think, oh, well, it wasn't what I was hoping for. It becomes disappointment rather than despair. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but I think that it's the immediate. And as a psychologist, what always amazes me is you can measure individual differences in in kind of unconscious attribution so quickly. Wow. You can give people scenarios and see the judgments they make. And, you know, if I do it in a room full of stu- students, you can see them open mouth looking at the person next to them saying, is that how you would really re- react in that situation? Because we are all so different. Yeah. And I always think we have to learn from the people, like my friend, <laughs> who doesn't yeah. suffer from, from yeah. bias or yeah, which yeah, is, definitely. you know, it's just she never internalizes. She never thinks... You know, she's been sold a puppy. It just, you know, she was a mug to do it. You know, I just, you know, so yeah, it's something to do with the relationship between emotional life and the automatic cognitions we use. I, I think that that's the way of dealing with it. It's interesting. It sounds like almost like it's to do with also your self knowledge. So being yeah. knowing oneself and knowing, oh, I have that feeling because that's a, a, a bad wiring habit I've had from the past, but that's not really what it is or something. You yeah, know? I, I mean, because the point about these automatic attributions is this, this is something we carry with us which yeah. is extraordinary and it, it doesn't just apply in buying situations it applies in all aspects of life yeah. you know um, you know, you're you're late for a meeting, or you know the meeting didn't go well. Everything, or the date didn't go well, or you didn't get a pay rise. Everything. Some people internalize them. They think that the attribution, you know, the the, the cause of the failure is going to affect all aspects of their yeah, lives, and it's going yeah. to be there in the future. Yes. And you can predict, you know, who's going to suffer from depression in the future on the basis of these automatic wow. cognitions. And and what's really interesting, and I'm sure there's some interesting new work to be done because I've had a good look at the psychology of bias remorse. I'm sure there's some interesting work to be done on what's called attribution style and that affects how deeply you feel it because mm-hmm. I suspect that really really bad buyer's remorse isn't just the disappointment amplified I think it's that amplified plus the cognitions I think yeah. the cognitions are critical well do you know what we could talk about this for absolutely oh, ages 
it's so interesting but we're going to have to round up but maybe we maybe we're going to have to like request like an extra lecture from you later on because we still got so much to learn but honestly thank you so so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge and understanding with us no it's a pleasure it's been fun yeah it's been amazing thank you Jeff it's I've learned so much. It's, yeah. it's really interesting. I'm going to go have a bit of self-knowledge self-reflection. looking within now. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I have no remorse at all about this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Thanks, pleasure. Jim. <laughs> wow, that was such a good conversation. Wasn't that amazing? I could have spoken to him oh, for ages. We should have just booked Jeff out for the last for the next couple of hours and just sat down here and had a yarn. Yeah. The yeah. yarn? Do you say yarn here? What's yarn? The yarn's like a chat. Oh, it's very New Zealander. Let's have a yarn. Let's have a yarn. Doesn't no. it, feel, it feels good, doesn't it? I've not had. It feels good, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna adopt that. We normally say like, let's have a. Let's have a natter. Seems pretty close. Yeah. Not really. No. <laughs> not not really at all. But how interesting were the points that he raised? Like, what what are you gonna take away from that? What do you think is something that you're thinking? Yes, I'm gonna I remember think, that. I think it's incredible how much goes into actually buying something. Yeah. Whether that is, in, you know, it's an item of clothing or or an airplane ticket, and those feelings of buyer, buyer's remorse is actually psychological discomfort. Like it's not, it's it's goes deep. Yeah. And it's more than disappointment. You know, people are feeling anger and despair, and then they start questioning it, like what went wrong and and why me. And and I thought that was incredible. It was just, it was just mind blowing that so much. There's so much input that creates these feelings yes it's the feelings and emotions bit that's the scariest bit because actually um we do curate a world around us by buying things yeah and ultimately there of course there's going to be some emotion involved isn't there but the fact that you can sometimes almost like he said you know you can sometimes internalize them and you might even be confusing your disappointment for uh your buyer's remorse of of, of product for something else you know yeah yeah you might go home and make a terrible decision because you're really upset about that that purchase it's got like a flow on effect yes and i think it was really interesting that and this is true because i think everyone thinks that is when you buy something you're kind of wanting acceptance from your peers as well yeah and to and to validate that that it was the right decision and it looks good on you and you know and it kind of justifies a purchase more because yeah. I, I always remember I've bought things before and I didn't personally like them but I'll hear from a family member or a friend be like oh that's so cool and be like yeah it is yeah <laughs> like that yeah. is cool so that val- the validation aspect yeah. is interesting isn't and it I think that's like that's human nature because you touched on narcissism mm. and I think everyone's well everyone does but everyone's got a little bit of that in them I think so and it is all about like improving your image and when that doesn't go to plan it's like, oh man, that sucks. Yeah, because you feel like you've done something to sort of improve that situation, and you failed in a in a transaction, as he said. Yeah, yeah. and you failed. But the, the, my my takeaway is definitely that bit he said about you know being aware that there's going to be some kind of thought process and feeling and emotion behind whatever it is you're purchasing and that when it arrives to you just be aware that if it does disappoint be prepared for that it's it's funny isn't it that sort of like people have those um ways of explaining like prepare for the worst but it kind of is a little bit like that as in like just be prepared to sort of notice the feelings and emotions around it and manage them separately without sort of digesting them letting them affect you too much it's amazing isn't it just for purchase yeah (laughs) but it's true when you when you get the notification that the delivery man's almost here you do get excited well i do i love it uh but that's true and i think on top of the the, the, all the psyche behind it the don't internalize things was fantastic because it yeah it relates to buyer's remorse but it's kind of there's a bigger picture behind that yes you know and that's that's pretty much life in itself and 
when you do regret a purchase and you feel uncomfortable about it, you got to put it into perspective. Yeah. I mean, there's bigger things going on in the world than 50 quid you just spent on a pair of trainers you don't like. <laughs> no, very true. Very true. But also that anticipation versus realisation yeah. and reality um, is quite an important point to remember as well. I think in some ways, like, you know, doing something where you have to, like, think about your purchase and spread out your, your payments in a way... Um, actually can sometimes almost mean that you're, you've you've more carefully considered what you're buying, Exactly, I think. yeah, I think so too. And I think that's it removes at least one point of the pain, which mm. is the initial upfront cost. Yes. And it gives you more time to look at the item, you know, adjust to it, and then probably actually fall in love with it. Yeah, digest it. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's... Without the financial burden. Yeah, for sure. No, that's that's really, really sort of interesting one today. I think there's a lot of uh, points I'm going to take away and linger on there and not get too bogged down in the feelings and emotions of purchasing. Yeah, too I much. think so too. I just loved it when Jeff was like, this is not an overly optimistic approach, but let it go. Yeah, <laughs> let it go. Um, so to end the episode, we often like to play a game called The Million Dollar Question. So it's basically our consumerosity version of truth or lie, okay? So... Sure. Here is this week's million dollar question, Alex. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Is it true or false that the American dollar is the world's most counterfeited currency? Has to be true. It's false. No, come on. Hear, Tell, hear me this one out. Tell me hear why this it's one false. Out. So the Chinese currency is actually the world's most counterfeited currency. And according to China Daily, the Chinese police confiscated 532 million in fake currency in 2015. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. And I do think there could be like a film in that, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Like yeah. what actually happened? Like who was doing this? It's Why? It's kind of interesting. I wonder how all that stuff works. Yeah. It's incredible. The dark side. Thanks for listening to Consumerosity. Hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and join us for future episodes. Thanks and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.